Well, hello, and welcome back to the Master Books Podcast. I'm Jennifer White, and today I have a very special guest. Israel Wayne is with us, here to talk about his brand new book, Foundational Truths, A Modern Catechism. I'm so excited for you to hear about it, to look at it online at masterbooks.com, and I'll be giving away a digital copy to one person who comments in the Moms of Master Books Facebook group, as well as the Master Books app. So be sure and comment on those places and let us know what you learned today about the modern catechism that he's written and why you think your family would enjoy reading it. All right, so let's get started. Here at Masterbooks, we are dedicated to help you disciple your children and develop a strong faith as a family. With Pro Bible Homeschool curriculum and beautiful books that honor God as Creator. We offer online courses to help your family worship and serve God. You will also find morning baskets and devotionals for the whole family. Our mission is ink on paper to touch eternity, and we have been publishing Christian books for this purpose since 1975. Find your Pro Bible Homeschool curriculum at masterbooks.com. Well, hi, Israel. How are you today? Hi, Jennifer. I'm doing great. It's great to be back on the podcast. It's so great to have you here. You've written so many great books and published them through Master Books. I've really enjoyed getting to learn from you and getting to know you and your family a little bit. So today, speaking of family, we're talking about your new book, Foundational Truths, A Modern Catechism. Tell us, is this made for families? Is this for young people? How, how does this book work and who's it for? Well, I think it has a really broad application. Um, the concept of catechism actually goes back for many centuries. Um, many people may not be aware that uh, catechism was how the Christian church taught children predominantly uh, for many centuries. And basically catechism is the concept of question and answer. So it's this okay. concept where we ask questions um, and then we seek uh, to know whether or not the people who are being catechized or being questioned, whether they understand the content of the material that's been taught. So uh, ideally, with uh, a Christian catechism, we're trying to teach an overview of Christian doctrine mm -hmm. and specifically the things that are held by all true Christians uh, and have been believed by uh, believers for 2000 years. And so... Um, churches have used catechisms, but I think there's a, a great value in families using catechism as well to teach their children the primary doctrines of the Christian faith, to help them to become grounded in what it is that they believe, and to be able to give short and succinct answers to some of the most important theological questions of our day. So this modern catechism that we have just created uh, through Masterbooks is something that I think will be a great resource for churches to mm -hmm. use with children and adults, uh, but I think it will also be a wonderful resource for families just to use all together. Uh, and, and I know people have already begun to ask me, like, what age or what grade is mm -hmm. this developed for? And really what we had in mind was for it to be an entire family resource, something that the entire family can do maybe as a supplement to their daily family devotions. Mm -hmm. where they sit down and they take one of these questions because we took 52 of the most important biblical doctrine issues and we took one question for each. And so uh, 
Uh, you could really focus on one per week and have it last for an entire year uh, as a family study. And so it's not overwhelming. It's, mm -hmm. it's not uh, the kind of thing where, you know, you're having to, um, let, let me put it this way. What we just did, our most recent resource before this was Foundations in Faith, right. which was a 36-week, five-day-a-week Bible doctrine and theology curriculum uh, targeted predominantly for teenagers. And that's intensive. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's like serious work. You're going to be, uh, you know, going through that for a very, very long time. Uh, and, and it's a great resource because it really is very comprehensive. It gives a good systematic uh, overview to Bible doctrine and theology. Uh, so, so that's uh, something that is, is really much more in depth. Um, this is more introductory level. Okay. Uh, and so this is far less scary. And it's something that, again, a whole family can do together. I think young children all the way through grandparents are going to completely enjoy this resource. I think so, too, especially the fact that it's so colorful and engaging the way it's laid out. It's very interesting to the eye. And so it's going to bring in those younger kids um, and teenagers, too, to make them feel like it is a modern book, not something that's old. And um, there's so much scripture in it. I mean, I know when I was reading it, I can tell from the way you wrote the introduction that you're really just trying to point people back to scripture with your book. That is absolutely the purpose and intent. We're not trying to introduce new doctrines. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to be sectarian and, and promote a denominational bias in this. Um, in fact, if I can just explain a little bit uh, more about the historical background of it. Sure. Um, some people will be familiar with the term catechism, particularly if they were raised in a Roman Catholic church, because the Roman Catholic church used a catechism to teach children um, their, the, their view of theology and doctrine for centuries. So a lot of people... Um, think of catechism as being something that is Roman Catholic. But actually, the, the first Protestant to write a catechism was Martin Luther. Okay. And uh, so Luther wrote a catechism for children. And uh, many of the reformers after that wrote catechism as well. And so catechism was a very profound and central part of discipleship within the Protestant church as well. Um, until fairly modern times. Um, to, to my knowledge, I think it was really in the 20th century that it fell out of a lot of mm -hmm. churches. That churches stopped using it. Um, and honestly, I think it, it paralleled um, the Sunday school movement, that the, Sunday, the, the rise of the Sunday school movement was sort of the decline of the catechism. Interesting. Because uh, denominational okay. publishers started producing their own denominational Sunday school materials. Mm -hmm. And it just became a replacement for the historic catechism. And so, uh, so I think that in my lifetime, I grew up in evangelical Christian churches, uh, you know, from the, the 1970s forward. And I had never heard of catechism because I was raised in evangelical churches and none of the churches I was raised in used it. Or, well, I never even heard the term probably until I was in my late 20s. And so I feel like as I have uh, become a parent and as I have started to think about ways to disciple my children and as church history has become more important to me, I, I grew up pretty impoverished in terms, like most Christians, I think, in terms of not really knowing much about church history, mm -hmm. not knowing much more 
than like my local church uh, or the denominations that we grew up in. Right. Um, we, we a lot of times don't know hardly anything outside of that. And so as I've become an adult and started studying church history, I've realized that we have this wealth of uh, tradition um, and an effective discipleship that used to take place utilizing uh, instruments like a catechism that we've just dropped off. And we didn't drop it off because it wasn't good or it wasn't effective. It just, it, it stopped being hip, I think, was really mm -hmm. what happened. And right. so I think what we're trying to do in a way is to take the timelessness of the historic confessions um, and repackage it in a contemporary packaging that that is hip. Right. Um, Masterbooks always does a phenomenal job of making everything that they design just look gorgeous. And I think they've outdone themselves with mm -hmm. this resource. Um, the, the book, the print version of this, the, the catechism is stunning uh, visually yeah. and aesthetically. And so families, I think, are going to really enjoy having this resource just even to, to, to have a, something beautiful in their home. I agree. And so, so yeah, the, the catechism is something that I, I think, uh, even though we may not be familiar with it, and it may seem a little scary, and for those perhaps who uh, maybe had uh, a negative experience with it growing up, where they didn't really understand it or didn't understand why it was being used or what the purpose was, it's just question and answer. Mm -hmm. So questions and answers about Bible doctrine, uh, that should be something that all Christians should be excited about, should be willing to get behind. Um, and, and, and then I guess another thing for uh, just to, again, explain more of the historic background. It, it used to be in most Protestant churches that the way you became a church member is that you would be raised in the church as a child. And then oftentimes churches would accept children into uh, membership uh, sometimes later at like age 12, something like that. And so in order to be accepted as a member into the church, you had to go through uh, catechism classes. So you had to go through um, a series of teaching on the primary doctrines. And then at the end of this series of teachings um, where you're questioned about the Christian faith, you would have a, a confirmation class. And so um, you would basically be quizzed and questioned on the primary doctrines as represented in the catechism. Right. And when you could affirm those answers and you could answer the questions correctly according to the catechism, uh, and you would say, I believe in these things and I affirm, uh, say, the, the Nicene Creed and I affirm these statements within the, uh, the confession and within the catechism, then you would be embraced as a church member and would be allowed to uh, receive communion, in some cases be baptized into the church. And so the catechism had an integral part of, of helping to welcome um, children into church membership. And then for adults who were converts later in life, there was a mm -hmm. similar process where they would come in and they would go through uh, catechism classes and they would be asked about their beliefs on these issues. And do you hold to these historic Christian uh, doctrines. And when they affirmed that they did, then they would be confirmed and allowed to, to come into membership within the church as well, have access to the communion table and so forth. And so there's, there's one, you know, kind of historic downside uh, to that process, which got addressed in the revivalism that started in the middle 1800s 
where there were many young people who had been raised in church who were catechized and confirmed, uh, baptized and entered into membership within the church. And yet really all they did was had a mental assent to a list of doctrines. Hmm. Uh, but they really never had a regeneration of the Holy Spirit. They were never made new. Okay. And so we, we would say, you know, today in our evangelical vocabulary that they were not born again. Mm -hmm. And so there were many church members within the 1800s who had been raised in church, had never been kicked out of the church because they were good moral people, but they also had never experienced a rebirth. They had never experienced newness of life uh, and regeneration by the Holy Spirit. So some of the revivalist preachers began to uh, pr preach against a kind of just dead religion in the churches where people were saying, I agree to this list of, of mental doctrines, but their hearts were never made new. Right. And so this was the second great awakening. And there were many people from those churches when they heard the gospel uh, presented with urgency, they realized that uh, while they agreed with and could check off the boxes of, mm -hmm. oh, I believe all of these things, they had never really surrendered their life and their heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so, um, so there, there's kind of a, a, a balance on either side where what happened uh, as a result of the Second Great Awakening and those revival movements was that the church's role in discipling people into membership within the church was really diminished. And the the way that evangelism was promoted and the way that the gospel was presented in the, in the second great awakening and, and then the revival movements that happened after that was really a much more personal and individual and independent approach to becoming a Christian that sometimes didn't really even include the church. It was like you could walk the sawdust trail and shake the hand of the evangelist and pray at an altar um, and, and be a Christian. And then church may or may not have a part of your life. And so Christianity shifted from being a system where the church was kind of the gatekeeper uh, in a way through this process of catechism and confirmation of saying these are people who we identify as being part of the body of Christ to the kind of new revivalism where it was very individualistic and people could just kind of have just me and my, my relationship with Jesus and I don't need anybody else. And so I, I think there's a ditch on either side of, of this road, if you will, um, the, the one where somebody could simply just say, oh, I agree with all these objective doctrines and then maybe, you know, never have have had a real heart conversion, you know, right. never really surrendered to Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be a ditch on one side. Or on the other side, you could have someone who you know, went forward in an evangelistic meeting or a Christian concert or something like that, who never really gets discipled into Christianity, who never really understands Bible doctrine, who never really knows even what biblical Christianity means. Mm -hmm. uh, they just had an emotional experience that they responded to and have, have never been discipled within a church. And so I think we have these polar extremes on either side. This catechism, I think, tries to bring these two together um, in a way that we're saying the objective doctrines of the Christian faith are vital and essential, and we need them. But at the same point, we also want to encourage vibrant, authentic, heartfelt relationship with Christ mm -hmm. uh, as, as an expression of Christianity and not just a mental ascent 
to a list of doctrines. And so we push to have a strong life application for this as well, to hopefully uh, see the importance of getting these ideas and these concepts and these doctrines on the inside uh, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, having that change our heart and mind so that we really become conformed in the image of Christ. We don't just you know, check off a list of doctrines that we say, oh yeah, I agree to that, but that these doctrines actually, by the power of the Holy Spirit, change and transform who we are. So what we're going for uh, with this new catechism by Masterbooks is both. We want to see a transformed mind uh, and that leading to a transformed heart and life. Uh, We want to see all of that happen as a cohesive package. Absolutely. I have been thinking about what a great mentoring tool it would be also. I'm thinking about high school kids mentoring somebody that's new in the faith or college kids or just I've got friends who mentor people all the time. It would be a terrific tool to use for mentoring as well as just have after you've gone through it as a family or individual to have it to reference when those questions come up from skeptics or if you hear something that didn't sound right in church, you have that to go back to. So you were talking about how you've got these life application things built into the book. Tell us what's included in the 52-week lessons. What, what does one go through? How do you see that happening as a family? Well, practically, we also have a definition of terms that goes through the book. So uh, mm-hmm. we, do, we do realize that this will be used with a lot of brand new believers And so some of them may not be familiar with our Christian jargon. Maybe they don't know what justification means. They don't know what sanctification means or some of the regeneration. They they may not be familiar with these terms. So we try to define those terms within the book to help um, younger children or new believers to learn what these words mean. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just in terms of the the application, I was thinking our local church that we're part of has an outreach to our county jail, uh, has a pretty vibrant jail ministry. And there are a lot of people who are coming to Christ through the jail ministry. And I was thinking what a great resource this would be for something like that, prisons and jails where you have new converts, but they need to become grounded in the essential teachings of Christianity. And so um, so we also have um, at the end of each uh, question, um, we have a prayer where we just sort of internalize um, the concepts that are being taught within that catechism. And as we read through the question and the answer, and then the scriptures that support it, um, we take a time uh, just to reflect on that and to pray that God through the Holy Spirit would internalize mm-hmm. the reality of that in our own life so that we, we live in a way that we're not being hearers of the word only, deceiving ourselves, but that we're actually being doers of the word uh, and that we are applying it in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Um, I'd, I'd like if I could to also um, take a, a minute to talk about how we use the scripture within the catechism. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because one of the questions I think that comes up is what makes this catechism different uh, or distinct from some other historic catechisms? Like why use this one as opposed to the historic uh, conf- confessions and catechisms? And there are some uh, very popular ones that have been used by different churches and denominations throughout time. This modern catechism draws from that tradition. It, it, it really, in essence, is representing the same kinds of historic biblical doctrines that are uh, recommended in, you know, say, the Westminster Confession or, or Catechism or the Heidelberg Catechism 
or uh, Keech's Baptist Con Confession and Catechism. You know, these are um, you know time tested uh, that are you know historically uh, sound and reliable catechisms. But but some of these were written very much for specific denominations, mm -hmm. um, and so they represent uh, and, and really push towards trying to promote distinctives to say, this is what makes our denomination us and everything else, not us. Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to do is dial that back a little bit because uh, we have a broad audience that we reach through Masterbooks and a very broad cross-section of the Christian community. Mm -hmm. And so rather than trying to teach one denomination's distinctives and say, well, this is what makes our denomination us and everybody else not us, uh, we wanted to focus more on what is historic Christianity that we all agree upon. What are the things that all true Christians would accept and embrace mm -hmm. um, as being core uh, primary doctrine Christianity? And so that's something that I think makes this particular uh, catechism very unique in the space is that it is non-sectarian, it's non-denominational. Uh, this is going to work really well uh, regardless of whether your church is uh, Anabaptist or Reformed or Pentecostal Charismatic or Fundamentalist or, you know, middle of the road evangelical, um, you're going to be able to read through this catechism and say, yes, we agree with these things. We affirm these things. So I, I think it's going to be uh, far less divisive. Some of the historic catechisms were actually intentionally divisive because they were responding to other church groups and saying, yeah. we, we don't hold to what this other church over here holds to. So, uh, so that's one of the reasons why we wanted um, to have a, a new catechism that was um, that was you know cross-denominational um, that would be embraced by a wide cross-section. Th there are uh, a couple of other contemporary catechisms um, out there. Most of them still lean, I think, a little biased towards a particular denominational slant. Uh, we tried really hard to avoid that with ours, but but one thing practically that. I wanted to do differently in our catechism was to actually include a boatload of scripture. Mm -hmm. And because the, we want to drive the, the student or the new disciple to the Bible, not to man's opinions, because man's opinions um, really have no value. It's the word of God that has value. And so in the answers to the questions like, who is God? What is man? Uh, what is sin? What is salvation? <laughs> what is justification? Um, you know, what, what is baptism? All of these questions. We actually take most of the verbiage for the answers straight from the scripture texts. Like I noticed that. Quote, we quote the scripture text in the mm -hmm. answer, and then we give references in the answers. So when you're reading through the answers, you'll see all these Bible verses and they're color coded. And yes. then below is a list of scriptures. And we usually give about five or six scripture verses for each answer that basically answer that question from the word of God itself. And so, um, so I think that makes us different in that most of the other catechisms will have like one verse, uh, one Bible verse. And so for me, I want to be able to see five or six verses that all support mm -hmm. this definition or this answer to the question, not merely one, because it could be very easy to just cherry pick, you know, one verse and maybe use it out of context. But when you've got five or six, verses from the word of God, all saying the same thing or giving a well-rounded answer to this question, um, then, then you have confidence in that. And so I think that makes our catechism 
unique and special is the extent to which we use the scripture. Um, and then also those historic catechisms were written, many of them 400 years ago, uh, 500 years ago. And so the wording of them is antiquated. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm disagreeing necessarily with what they say, but they just use uh, outdated language that's clunky and that's difficult for us today. Right. And so we're taking the same concepts, the same historic Christianity, but we're just using it in a modern vernacular. And one other thing I'd like to say about okay. this is uh, I've already had some questions about why then, if we're saying we have a modern contemporary catechism, which it is, and it has, again, just beautiful modern aesthetics to it, why then did we use the King James Version? Mm -hmm. Why did we use a Bible version from 1611 and not a contemporary English version? Well, two answers to that. Um, the first one is that we encourage families to use whatever Bible version they are comfortable with. And you can very mm -hmm. easily replace uh, the verses with wh whatever version is your family's favorite version. Um, but e even today, the most universally uh, and widely accepted translation um, is still the King James Version. And uh, with the contemporary English versions, uh, we used so much scripture in this catechism that you actually have to pay licensing uh, and copyright fees if you use a contemporary modern English uh, version. And so it's a kind of cumbersome process. And so the King James Version is public domain, which allows us to actually list all of those verses in the text. So for families who like the King James Version or churches and you prefer to use that, it's already in the text for you. Uh, for those who want to supplement and use a different version that your family prefers or your church prefers, very easily adapted. But if we put in any one particular modern translation, we would have people who would complain about that and say, why did you use this one? Why didn't you use right. that one? So um, there will be people who will say, we don't identify with the King James. We, you know, that's not contemporary English for us. We understand that, uh, you know, we encourage you to use whatever Bible translation fits best. Uh, for your church or your family. Uh, but that was the rationale behind the King James. It's just to make it the most universally applicable. Mm -hmm. And then also um, to be able to uh, to have something that you know everybody's familiar with and that uh, doesn't tie us up with all the licensing and copyright issues. Um, makes total sense. Contemporary publishers. Yeah. Well, I have one last question. I'd like for you to kind of show us how within a week, a church and a family would use this resource, breaking it down. Is it one time, 30 minutes, or is it over days? How does it work? Right. I think in a church, obviously, you have one a week. So if you're doing uh, some type of Sunday school class or discipleship class, uh, new mm -hmm. believers class, um, you would take this uh, one question and probably assign some homework. Um, you know, have some worksheets that you hand out uh, to have people hopefully memorize the answers. Mm -hmm. And then what I would do as a family is we would just run through it and uh, try to memorize one a week. So each day we would recite it together as a family, the answer. Um, and then we would read through the questions. Um, I'm sorry, the Bible verses that correspond to the questions and answers. Um, and so I, I think it's, um, again, not overwhelming in any way, but definitely would help people to be able to uh, become more conversant and just, uh, you know, have an easier access to uh, answering these difficult questions that, 
that people may wonder, you know, what really what is uh, being born again and what is yes. uh, the nature of man and what is justification and all of these doctrines. We want to be able to provide answers from the scripture on each mm -hmm. one of these questions. Okay. So what about age wise? Is there a way to do it with a younger child in your family? And if you have older children, how does that work? Well, we've done a lot of scripture memory as a family over time. And mm -hmm. what we find is to recite it all together as a family, to repeat it. So everybody is saying it aloud Okay. Uh, and we just go through it slowly. Um, we've done this with memorizing Bible verses. The same thing can be done with memorizing the answers in the catechism. Okay. Uh, and if you choose, like maybe you don't want to memorize the answer in the catechism. You just want to memorize the scriptures that go along with it. That's mm -hmm. great too. Uh, really, you can adapt this however you see best. Um, we're just trying to provide a tool that's a, uh, a launching pad or a springboard for you and mm -hmm. your family to be able to go into the scripture itself, because it really is the word of God that we want to point people back to. And so I think having a family quote the answers together and memorize them uh, and or quote the scriptures together and memorize them. Um, I find there's a certain cadence when the whole family is reciting it together. Even the little ones can memorize it very quickly. That's great. Well, I'm so thankful that you wrote this. I'm so thankful that the body of Christ has it. I'm so thankful that it's not divisive, but it's actually unifying, bringing the body of Christ together on what we agree on. I believe that honors the Lord more than much. So I'm so thankful that we got a chance to publish that, that you're part of it, and that so many families in 2024 will have this opportunity to really solidify the truths about what we believe according to the Bible, not according to a denomination, but according to the Bible and be able to live that out and defend their faith. That's, I can't imagine how that's going to impact generations, community, families, generations, communities, churches. I'm just very excited that we get a chance to do that together, uh, Masterbooks and yourself and the Masterbooks families. So thank you. It's a blessing. It's been a decade now that I've been able to partner with Masterbooks in producing resources for the church and for the family. And I, can, I appreciate so much their commitment to the authority of scripture mm -hmm. uh, and their commitment to helping families to disciple their children. So it's been a blessed, cooperative, uh, collaborative process. Yes, it has. I'm so grateful. Would you like to close this in prayer for the families that are listening? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that all truth is contained in and expressed through your written word and that you have given us the Bible to help us to know you and have relationship with you. And we thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit plants that word in our heart and helps it to come to life. Uh, and to, to really make a difference in how we live and that we really can know you and have relationship with you uh, through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just thank you for this resource, uh, Foundational Truths. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless it far and wide, that it would reach many, many hearts and help solidify many in their faith in you. We just commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we hope that you will check out Foundational Truths. We hope that you will tell others about it, your church, your families, your friends about this resource. And we want to um, remind you that we're giving away a copy at the Moms of Masterbooks Facebook group. Also, we're giving away a copy in the Masterbooks app. And we look forward to hearing your thoughts about what you learned about the catechism, what you're excited about, how 
you're excited about using this with your family. So thank you all for being here. Please drop a line and uh, review our podcast so other people can find it. And we will see you back next time. Thanks, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us today for the Master Books podcast. It was really fun to do this with you today. We hope that you'll take a moment and rank and review the podcast wherever you are listening or watching so that others can find it more easily. We loved having you here and we look forward to being with you on the next podcast. It comes out every other week, Mondays at 5 a.m. See you then.